I'm going to read from the Word of God this morning, and I invite you to stand with me. I'm reading from the book of Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, which simply says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident, this is a great passage right here, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long uh, for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things which are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the opportunity of being in the house of the Lord. And thank you for this wonderful congregation. Father, let the blessing of God flow into people's lives in powerful kinds of ways. Father, I pray that, uh, that, uh, that, that you'll lift and encourage. You'll strengthen. You'll speak into people's lives. You will bless them with your direction. You will bless them, Father, in the ways uh, uh, of their living. Father, we thank you this morning. We look forward to your word. We look forward to the season around the table of the Lord. And Father, we believe that you're going to do special, unique, powerful things this morning. Father, I pray for people today that are truly looking to you to step into difficult situations and to bring solution and resolution into, into those areas. I pray for people who are needing the touch of God, of his healing in their bodies and their strengthening it in their lives. And so, Father, we thank you for all of these things. We know that this is going to be a good season, a blessed season of God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3? Mark chapter 3, the Gospel of Mark chapter 3, and beginning in verse 1. I've titled this message, The Case of the Man with the Withered Hand. And it's an unusual situation that Jesus is a part of. And what I'd like you to do today, I, I, want you to, I really want you to try to do this in your mind and, and heart. Just uh, let's, let's, uh, let's use a little bit of imagination and let's, uh, we're going to go to church with Jesus this morning. Uh, they didn't have air conditioning either. And so uh, <laughs> this is going to work out really good. But I want to read this text to you because there, there, there are some points in here that I want to isolate and talk about here in a little bit. The Bible says, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. 
And then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and the hand was restored as whole as the other. Verse 6, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Understand something, the Pharisees and the Herodians hated one another. But Jesus was the common denominator in this thing. And they both got together, both sides, how can we get rid of Jesus? Stunning. So let's go to church with Jesus. And in your thinking, he was, uh, this, uh, this place was around the area of Capernaum. And uh, this is where Jesus did a number of his miracles. A lot of things was happening on this, uh, in this region here. Jesus spoke the uh, Sermon on the Mount very close to this very area. Uh, Peter had a home near this very area. And so it was a familiar site. It was near the Sea of Galilee. The place is going to be packed because the people had heard that Jesus was going to read from the sacred scrolls and then speak about what he had just read. So they, they, they were filling the place. They wanted to be in that spot to hear Jesus, hear what Jesus was going to, going to have to say about the scrolls and about the word of God and all of these things. So the crowd this morning, in that crowd was a man who had a curse upon his life. And this curse was in the form of a withered hand. And uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm speculating here a little bit. But I'm guessing this withered hand that, that was misshapen, a hand that had no use, a hand that he probably, in the folds of his garments, would probably keep hidden away so other people might not be able to see it as, as easily. He was embarrassed over this. He, it, it, was a, it was a problem in, in his life. And so the people came together. They wanted to hear from Jesus. The Pharisees also showed up. You know, by this time in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees were tagging along. These religious leaders continued to tag along after Jesus all of the time, looking for ways, looking for means to try to trap him into saying, uh, trap him into saying something that they could accuse him on. Now, I think it's interesting right here where Jesus said, is it lawful for us to do work on the Sabbath that would heal, that would cure instead of kill or anything else? And the Bible says, we kept silent. They didn't have an answer for that. How do you answer that? How do you respond to something like that? These are fake religious leaders. They're frauds. And they were too eager to pounce on Jesus, who <coughs> would demand his regulations to stand in front. They, they said, our regulations on the Sabbath are more important than healing this man. And so they were going to stand with those regulations and put a stop to it. Never mind if a sheep fell into a ditch or an ox fell into a ditch. 
We'll work to get that ox out. We'll work to get that sheep out of the ditch. But a man with a withered hand came to church that morning looking for the opportunity for God to do something in his life. We don't want that. We bar that. Think about this for just a moment here. This is important for us to consider. I believe people come to church for a lot of reasons. I believe people come to church because it's what you do on Sunday morning. And I'm probably one of those. If the calendar says it's Sunday, I'm going to church. If I'm traveling on vacation and it's Sunday morning, we're going to find a place to go to church. It's what you do. But people also go to church for other reasons. People come into the house of God looking for hope, looking for encouragement, looking for faith in their life to be sparked into new life so that God can continue his work, so that God can do something in their life. There are people in here this morning, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, there are folks in here this morning that you are here and you have a purpose for being here, and that is, I want to hear something from God. I want to hear something that will feed my soul. And I, I, I want to move out of the, I want to move forward in my faith. I want to move forward in my walk with God. So you came to church. I don't want the church to disappoint. I don't want the church to just say, well, we brushed that off because that's not a part of our normal cycle or routine or whatever we do. It's important. This is why Jesus, in, in verse number five, looks at them, and the Bible says he looked at them, he looked at them with anger. Anger meaning the sense that, that the thing that this man needed the most in his life was being ignored because of the rules and regulations that were set in front of him. We still have it today, don't we? Let's obey the church rules. Never mind if they have nothing to do with scripture, but let's obey them and let ministry pass. It's more important for ministry to occur. It's more important for people to be touched by God. It's more important that you put, hit the pause button in a service and say, I'm praying for you right now. And we want God to touch people's lives. And so, interestingly, a withered hand. I see something here, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to project into this business of this withered hand for a moment here. But I see something here more than just a human hand that is withered, that is misshapen, that does not work and cannot function, uh, cannot hold anything or anything like that. I see a withered spirituality, a withered spirit in this person's in this person's life. If you have a withered hand, it means you can't grasp something. It means you can't reach out and grab something. I believe there's a lot of people today who have never come to grips with the spiritual issues and problems in their lives, uh, of their lives. We deal with anger, we deal with fear, we deal with all of these things here. We deal with poor decisions that we've made and we drag those poor decisions along like some kind of a, 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 a heavy burden, a ball and chain. We keep dragging those things along and God wants to set us free of those. God wants to deliver us from those things. And God's able to do that. He said, well, pastor, you don't know, <clears throat> you don't understand. 
I made some horrible decisions in my life. I made some decisions that are terrible. They're, they're, they're embarrassing. It really doesn't matter the scope or the angle or anything else on here. God wants to bring a forgiveness. God wants to bring a wholeness. God wants to bring a liberty. God wants to, wants to bring you into a fullness where he can touch you, he can use you, he can speak into your life, he can do the extraordinary through you, even though you were once broken. Because God heals. God brings the brokenness together. God brings and knits them together again and creates a wholeness in our life. <clears throat> One of the most common problems that I think I've seen in many years of ministry is people who seem to battle with the problems of chronic inferiority. Chronic inferiority. They just can't seem to get a good grip on their worth as, <clears throat> as God-created individuals. I just spoke to somebody this week on the phone dealing with this very same thing, th this right here. Inferiority. Inferiority is like a it's like a straitjacket. You're wrapped up in this thing and you feel like, I can't move. I can't, I, I love God. I, I want to serve God. I want to do all of these things for God, but I can't move because of this inferiority thing. I want to remind you what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says. <clears throat> he says, Paul says this. He says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his workmanship. Another translation says you are his masterpiece. Think of that. The expensive masterpieces that hang in the, uh, the uh, famous uh, museums of Paris. You are just like that. You are the masterpiece of God. And God can use you. I want, you, I want us to understand that. I want us to grasp, grasp that as best as, as best as we can. Because I'll tell you what, Satan will keep bombarding you with the negative thoughts. He's going to try to keep you defeated every day of your life. He's going to remind you of all of the problems that you've had. He's going to remind you of all the sin that you've created. He's going to remind you of all the failures in your life. He's going to remind you of all the times you said, okay, I'm going to really serve God from here on out, and all of a sudden, you get hit. He's going to remind you of that. You've tried this before. It didn't work. You may as well just give up. Just, just fold the tent up. It's not going to work for you. I'm sorry, it will work for you. And God will see that it will work. Listen to me, Christ in your life means that you have great value. Powerful values. I think sometimes there are people who can't make up their mind about Christ. We live in an era and a time where there are so many different kinds of religions and <clears throat> all kinds of things, false teachings even. Some of that comes out of a, some, sometimes these come out of the Christian corner of the world. And all of these things. All they can do is deliver ashes. All they can deliver is a false hope. All they can deliver is a dream and nothing's going to happen. Something big is about to happen on Sunday morning in Capernaum. I brought my old robe here. 
It's really cool up here. I'll get this off. I have notes and I have side notes that robe on and robe off. Robe off might come a little bit quicker than I thought. Last night anyway. <laughs> Folks, something big was going to happen this Sunday morning. I think something big is going to happen this Sunday morning at Faith Community Church. Not just in Capernaum. Not just 2,000 years ago. It's going to happen right here. I know it. I know it's going to happen. Something big's going to happen. Because this man nervously stood. Jesus said, come forth. Oh, my goodness. I, I, just think about this for a minute. Just think, Ruth, if I said to you, come forth. If he's like, what's he going to do? What's he want of me? Can I sit here? <laughs> come forth. And so this man, I, I, see, I could see this in my mind's eye. He nervously stands. And, you know, this is the guy that's got a hand that... That he kind of keeps hidden up in his sleeve here like this. And, you know, I've got, how, how can I shake hands with it? I can't shake hands with my right hand. My right hand is ugly. It's deformed. It's crooked. It can't grip anything. It can't do anything. And so I kind of keep it down here at my side, hoping that nobody, <clears throat> nobody will ask me about it, hoping that, that I don't have to shake hands. Jesus speaks to him and says, stretch forth your hand. And at first glance, you know, if you just read this and kind of move on, at first glance, this almost seems shocking. Why would Jesus embarrass this guy? Why would Jesus ask this guy to do something that he just, he doesn't want to do? He, he wants to keep this hidden. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a mark on my life. Stretch forth your hand. There's no way he can stretch forth his hand. It's crippled. It's deformed. And Jesus commands him to stretch forth that hand. But how do you do this in front of a whole crowd? The whole crowd's attention now is on Jesus and this guy with this withered hand. How do you do that? Without embarrassing. Without calling attention to this, this situation. The call of Jesus challenges him to do something that the man with the withered hand has never been able to do. He couldn't do things. He couldn't work. He, this was going to be a demonstration of God's, his faith and God's power. Now what's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 say? Now faith, say it with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Is that up on the screen? Oh, I didn't realize it was up there. Okay. I thought, well, you're doing good on this one. <laughs> This is really good. Boy, we hit the mark today, didn't we? <laughs> That's good. Faith, faith is the substance. <clears throat> and that word means it's real. It means it's reality. This isn't just something wishful thinking. This isn't pie in the sky stuff out here. This is reality. This is stuff you can put in your hands. It's the evidence of things not seen. And that simply means that when God's faith kicks into your life, there's going to be an evidence of what he's doing. And in this case, he's going to heal a withered hand. And that's going to be the evidence of what God is doing. God gives us opportunities. And I ask you this morning, 
here in our church today? What is your opportunity? What's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to obey? I've said this to some people. I think, I think, I think sometimes in our church here, we've got a great church with great people and lots of people, and yet I think sometimes we're a little bit of an underachiever because we have so many talented people, so many incredibly gifted people and things like that. <clears throat> I, just, I just ask you to step forward and let God begin to use you in powerful ways. You'll be amazed. You're, you, one of the amazing things is going to be your faith is going to just explode in your life. It's going to be great. This is what we hear. I, oh, pastor, I don't have faith for that. Oh, I don't have money. I don't have the background. I don't have the degree. And here's a man with a withered hand standing in front of Jesus. It's not just Jesus. It's the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The living word of God. And I'm standing in front of him. Can't you see it? Can't you see that man with that withered hand? Stretch forth your hand. And so he kind of sneaks in, and that hand is all wrinkled and gnarled and messy and everything else. It can't do anything. If you threw a little tiny ball at him, he couldn't catch it. If you ask him, Leland, shake my hand, I can't shake your hand because I can't grip it. There's no feeling here. There's numbness. There's nothing in this hand. Absolutely nothing. It's an appendage of my, of my life that speaks of my life, and my life is nothing because I've allowed this hand to dictate absolutely everything in my life. And I point at it and say, it's my hand. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And the man did. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Those, those fingers begin to open. They never opened before. He was born this way. He was born with a deformity that he could not control. You could maybe hear the bones cracking, you know, like when you crack your knuckles, you know, click, click, click. It's starting to happen. And his hand is being stretched out. You're seeing it for the first time, the muscles being stretched and the flesh beginning to fill this out. Those fingers were just sort of like bony things. And now the, the flesh has formed on them. Jesus is doing a miraculous thing to a man with a withered hand. And his hand becomes pure. His hand becomes whole. Stretch your hand out. Stretch your hand out. The first time it might hurt. Because this hand's never done anything in his life. It could. It might just hurt. But that means you're being freed from the past. It hurts when you're insecure, doesn't it? It hurts when people put you down, doesn't it? It hurts when people don't care enough or they just walk by you and ignore you. That hurts too. That hurts a lot. God is challenging you to do stuff that you did not know you could do. That's what he's doing. 
Jesus said, stretch forth that hand, that hand that had been withered. Hearing the word, listen to me very carefully. Copy this down if you think you need to. Hearing the word is a great thing. It creates faith in our lives. But it's not necessarily going to heal you. Hearing the word does not necessarily heal you because you have to do the word. Amen? I mean, I can preach to you here all afternoon. You could hear the word all afternoon. And nothing's going to happen in your life. I mean, you may be blessed by that or whatever. Yes, but nothing's going to happen. You've got to do the word. It has to be done. It ha there has to be the creative work of God <clears throat> that energizes you. You are leaving the past behind. And the miracle of God begins. You see, the challenge in this stretching comes from the midst of pain and the environment of criticism here. But listen to me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Answer me. Answer me. Nobody. Nothing. Not one thing. God longs to do a lot in our lives. And I can tell you this. He's never going to violate your will. He'll never violate your will. He will never give you a blessing that you do not want. Now, that sounds like a strange statement to me. But I'm telling you, there are people that say, I'd like to be blessed of God, I'd like God to bless me, and yet we will not stretch forth our hand to see the, the blessing of God brought into our life. Uh, the CTIT, are you going to support me with some music here right now? Go. Go on up. We're working with new people today. How do you suppose, folks, how do you suppose this man... <clears throat> who had formerly had a, a crippled, withered hand after the healing of Jesus. I'll I, I tell you what I think this man did. Let me tell you. I think this guy went out and told everybody he could find. Because everybody in town knew him. Everybody knew, knew this guy. This is the guy over here. Uh, this is the guy. He's got the withered hand. It's all crumpled and crunched up and ugly looking and everything. And he usually keeps it hidden up in his coat. I believe this guy got that hand out there. He was going around shaking hands with everybody he could find and saying, see what God has done. So similar to what happened in John chapter 4, isn't it? To this woman that came to the well at midday to see Jesus. This woman had a reputation. Other people really didn't want to be around her. But Jesus spoke into her life. Transformation occurred in her life. And the Bible says she went back into her community, a woman that had been transformed, changed so radically. She said, I told everybody I could see. And they all came running out in that Samaritan village. They all came running out to that well because they wanted transformation in their life. Folks, you just cannot tell me, you cannot convince me. You can never convince me that in a crowd this size right here, that there isn't somebody in this crowd saying, God, I want to transform life. You know, I put on the smile. I put on the nice clothes. I shake the hands. Everybody thinks it's okay with me, but it's not. It's not okay. When I'm all alone, when I go to my car, the pain, the pain of my life, the pain of the agony of uh, of this or that or whatever's going on in my life, it's still there. I still suffer from that withered hand. 
This is a day in which God sets people free. This is a day in which God takes withered hands and makes them straight and pure and useful. Withered hands that used to could not grasp a thing. He causes those hands to be able to clutch whatever is necessary and do a work for God. That's what God does in our lives. And that's what God is going to do right here in this church service. Today. He's going to do it today. Because I want you, when you come to this communion place, this is going to be the start. When you hold that piece of bread in your hand, that little teeny, little tiny cup, that's not just bread and a cup of juice. That's something more. That is going to be literally the touchstone of your faith. And God is going to be whispering into ears, stretch forth your hand. And the touch of God is going to move through your life to relieve you of the insecurities, to relieve you of the anger, to relieve you of the pain of issues that have come and gone and maybe residing yet in your life. He's going to help you to take decisions that were just plain bad decisions and show you how to make it right and how to make it good. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. Because if God can take a man with a withered hand in Capernaum and say, stretch forth your hand and it becomes whole and right, he can do it at Faith Community Church on September 3rd, 2017. He can do that. And he will do that. He will do that. Because that's what's going to happen here in church this morning. So, spiritual withering? Absolutely. We have it. Is your soul dry like a desert? We have it. God has rain. Are you able to come to grips with the needs in your life? Today you can. Today you'll be confronted. That's why it's so important. I, 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 just, I just think there's going to be something incredible happen as people come to grips with these things in their life. And you know what? It's not going to be a scary, frightening thing. It's going to be a liberating thing. It's going to be set the captive free time thing. And God's going to release his power, his love in your life. God's calling. He wants to fill your soul and your life with his spirit and with his power. And this is the moment today. Last thing. We put this up on the screen here, and it's a reset button. This is what God wants to do this morning. You know what a reset button is? It's really a neat thing. It's when you get everything all confused and messed up and goofed up. And, and, and I mean, it's just, you look at this thing and say, this is hopeless. You can hit the reset button. And you know what the reset button does? 
it causes all of the things that you goofed up in the past to just, they're gone. They're gone. And you reset to zero. And you reset to the place where God begins to build again in your life. Some of you come up to this communion place and they, you know, if you want to do this, you can. I, I don't care. There, I'm setting the reset button in my life. Whack this thing. It can take it. It's oak. You won't break it. I think sometimes there's people that need to actually do that, just give it a whack. I'm resetting the things in my life. And I'm going to let God just simply override all of it. I'd like to invite our elders to come and who's going to help in serving communion this morning. And, and we're, going to, we're going to get right into that part of the service right now. I'm going to read to you from the Word this morning, just briefly, some, uh, just some simple instructions that Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, after I've read these, we're going to go ahead and proceed with the communion. Now, look, I want, to, I want you to know something. It's our kind of our tradition here at Faith Community Church. We come to the altar here, and we kneel, and we serve communion. But if for some reason that's going to be difficult for you, maybe because of some physical issue, or, or maybe you're just kind of new in the church and say, oh, man, why did I hit the Sunday? I didn't need to come up front, or something like that. Look, one of our elders will come back and serve you. But we want you to participate. We want you to, we want you to experience the things that God has for you today. I want you to bring your children up. Would you do that? Bring your kids up. Because we want to pray for your, your children. Pastor Russ and I will be doing that. We want to pray for your kids. So you could stay as long as you want up here. Long as you want. We're not going to rush you. If somebody gets up beside you and goes you don't want to go, stay put. You stay as long as you want. Okay? Paul said this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's one of my favorite verses of the Bible right there. You proclaim his death until he comes. I believe his coming is around the corner, don't you? So let's pray. And as we pray today, one of the things I want us to make sure that we pray about this morning uh, are all of the people on the Texas Gulf Coast that are facing just, you know, we might sit here and say, oh boy, I wish the air conditioning was working. I mean, those people are just saying, I wish I had some dry socks. And so we are so fortunate here, so thankful. I think in a couple of weeks we're going to try to see if we can do something to 
cooperate with uh, somebody like Convoy of Hope or something and, and do some things that can help. So would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We believe that you're going to do some good things today right here at this altar. I believe you're already doing some things as people sit here and they begin to realize, hey, I can get a reset in my life. I can, I can, God can change the trajectory of my life today and I, that's what I want. I want to walk in newness with God and this is the moment. And I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to stretch forth my hand and I'm going to believe that God is literally going to take it and he's going to cause me to walk in that new path, the newness that he marks out for my life. So I thank you for it. Father, this morning we want to lift up literally hundreds of thousands of people along the Texas Gulf Coast that's been affected by this hurricane. Father, I cannot imagine the, the misery, the difficulty, the hurt, the disappointment, all of these things, all of these things crowding in onto so many people's lives that have lost so much. Father, I pray that in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of this difficulty, that there would be that light that would shine, that would lead these people also in new directions for their life. Father, oftentimes you've used difficult things in life as a, uh, as a season in which people turn to God. I pray that that will actually happen. I pray for their provision. Simple things that we take for granted, such as water and dry clothes, shelter, food. Father, I pray that you'll supply these needs in their lives. I pray that you'll help them as they rebuild their lives and they rebuild their homes, even their families. Father, we just earnestly lift them up in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful to be here today and blessed in wonderful ways. And so, Father, we pray that the blessing of God, the power of God, the work of God would extend all along that Texas and Louisiana Gulf Coast. Help people today. Help somebody today that perhaps has reached the literal wit's end is crying out to God. Father, may they be helped. May they be strengthened powerfully in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this communion time. Let this time, uh, let this special time in our service be blessed of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you lift your hands like this? We're going to ask God for his blessing. Father, may the Lord bless and keep every person in this room. Cause your face to shine upon their lives. And as it shines upon their lives, may the reflection of Christ be so evident in their lives that they will be an influence to the people around them. Father, let them walk out of our church today with confidence, with peace, and with great grace in their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.